Yeah, I, I think whenever you give them choice and voice, they always will wow you. You know, there's no limit to what they can create. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Quaker Matters podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by lower school librarian, Kate McCarran. In our conversation today, Kate and I discussed the information literacy program here at Wilmington Friends. We talk about the skills that students develop in lower school, how those skills translate to middle school and upper school, and the ways in which the information literacy program fosters a lifelong enthusiasm for the process of learning. As always, hope you enjoy. We are now joined by one of our lower school librarians, Kate McCarran. Kate, how are you today? I'm doing great. Today, we want to discuss the information literacy program here at Wilmington Friends and give our listeners some more information as to what this program is really about. So I guess we should just start here and ask the question, what is the information literacy program? and when are students first introduced to this program? So really the heart of it is asking questions and knowing, you know, where you can find the answers. So students, even in our earliest years in our preschool, they're curious. They wanna know what's eating the leaf on the playground um, and they're introduced to ways to find an answer. Oftentimes it's uh, coming up to the library and seeing what books we have or asking teacher Tim, our science teacher. Kids often do research just based on the knowledge that their family's getting a dog. So we usually know first, and they come in getting books about how to care for their pet. What is the goal of the information literacy program? I think the goal is probably for students to keep asking questions and to, be, to continue that curiosity and know how to find information in more than one source, whether it's a book, a magazine, a database, and a website, and how to determine you know, what information is good uh, and to make meaning of that information. And then we layer in the technology piece of how can I present that information. How is this program an integral part of the lower school curriculum? So it really is not a standalone and it can't be taught that way. So much of what I do is integrated into the classrooms uh, in their social studies units, in their language arts units. um, And that's when it's most meaningful. We see new advances in technology each and every year, and we are more online than we have ever been before. I guess I'm curious as to how does literacy go hand-in-hand with technology in the 21st century? Obviously, um, the tech piece was so essential when COVID hit because we had access to multiple formats. We had eBooks, we had databases, and we were able to provide reading to students uh, in that vehicle. We still really, in elementary school, love the physical book. Uh, There's nothing that's ever going to replace that for them. Um, But technology certainly is a tool, and it's best when it's just woven in. We don't use tech for tech's sake. So it should just sort of be uh, woven in. Uh, We do use it quite a bit to have student voice. So whether we're using Flipgrid or Seesaw, that way we have every child participating and hear every voice. So that's really great. 
and then we present in a variety of ways. So by the time they reach fifth grade, they've used a number of tools and they might decide which one they might use. So students create websites, uh, they create their own virtual reality tours, they've created 3D structures, uh, they've done green screens, created public service announcements using iMovie. So um, it certainly is a way for students to present their ideas and um, sometimes can be a, a real motivating factor for them. I think that's so, maybe not unique, but so interesting that it is given to them at such an early age that they are exploring these various platforms, um, you know, just so young. Exactly. Like right now, kindergarten is doing their animals in winter project. So they're studying them. They're researching in the library with books. Um, in computers, they're drawing their animal, which is tricky because that requires a lot of fine motor. And then the next step is we are going to animate their pictures. So they will talk about what they've learned about their animals. So we're making a mini movie and they're super excited. That's so cool. And I guess transitioning a little bit here, we touched upon all the great that technology can bring, but we also know that tech can be very dangerous. So I'd like to know when students are first introduced to internet safety. So we, we start very young. As soon as we're placing technology in their hands, we want them to be aware of how to be safe online. So the earliest years are focused on online safety, so not giving out personal information. And then it transforms into um, being a good digital citizen. How can we be kind online? And even in the earliest years, for example, in first grade, we're doing a community book of peacemakers. So we're all working in that same virtual space. So we have conversations about not uh, changing anyone else's pages or not changing the cover. So things like that. We've participated for many years in the global read aloud. So we've had opportunities to work in the same space with students from other schools, students that we don't know. And it's an opportunity to say, we're representing our school, we need to be kind. So those are all real practical, real world lessons that are so important. And if we make mistakes here, at least we're in the comfort of our environment. So we wanna prepare them for middle school and beyond. You know, right now we're capturing them before they have maybe a cell phone and teach them some of the important lessons. And then in fifth grade, we get into cyberbullying. Uh, students do some research about some of the statistics with that and some examples, and then they create a public service announcement, uh, which at times they've shared with fourth graders. So they have an audience for what they've created. You touched on the idea concept of internet safety there. And I guess I want to push it or veer off into a little bit different direction, but sort of still pertains to being online and, and really teaching kids how to use a database. We live in a society where we are able to access things immediately and we are in a swipe right, swipe left culture. Um, so I guess I was just wondering, how do you go about teaching kids to use databases and to really vet their material and their sources? I think we're fortunate that databases have responded. And for example, we start with Pebble Go for our youngest ones. So for kindergarten and first grade and even second grade, they may use Pebble Go. Um, and it sort of orients them to the design. It has tabs. It actually will read to them 
so that way we're not confined by their ability to read because they certainly can understand at higher levels. Um, and they're just naturally curious. So they are, they do like Pebble Go. And now Pebble Go has uh, introduced Pebble Go Next. So that will take us through. So I think information is a little easier to find now. Um, so that helps because it can be difficult at times. And if that's the thing that I have to scaffold and be like, here's your article, I'll do it. You know, and I'll just say, you know, we're not using Google for this. Um, we do website evaluation in fourth grade or introduce the concept. And honestly, it is very difficult for them to assess what is true and what is not true. That's, it's a really tricky skill. So, and that's just makes me realize, you know, that's why we do rely on the databases more because it is difficult for them to extract good information. And plus the reading level can be much higher when we're looking at just using get Google. Whereas with a database, you can select sort of your, your reading level and you can get something that's just right on target for you. Or we also use uh, something called uh, Newzella, which is great, it has a lot of current articles. So I think those types of things do help. How do these skills that students are constantly developing at the lower school level, how do those translate to middle and upper school? So I, I think um, all these skills need to be taught again and again. Um, for example, in fourth grade, we teach website evaluation. That's a skill that they're not going to get immediately. They're very influenced by what they see and they find it very believable. So hopefully we're just introducing ideas and concepts and it just really is on a spiral. So it's something that they'll see again and again and build on. Some will get it a little bit earlier than others. For new students who may join in second, third, fourth grade and aren't necessarily Wilmington Friends School lifers, how are you able to catch them up to speed as they may not have had access to an information literacy program at their former school? I think um, students are just so quick. They're, they're literally sponges, so they catch on fairly quickly. Sometimes with the tech piece, many students might sign up for one of the summer programs. So especially if they want to get more up to speed on Scratch or something like that, uh, parents will enroll them in that. We had, I think, at least 18 new fifth graders this year just to provide wow. a really solid example of people coming in later on. And they've done amazingly well. They're a great group of children. And, you know, and we've always worked one-on-one, -on -one, no matter if they've been here from the beginning or later, we provide what the student needs. In what ways does the information literacy program foster a lifelong enthusiasm for the process of learning? So I think a lot of our units are structured around the student and their wonders. So that piece of it really motivates them. So just taking it backward from fifth grade does a genius hour project. So they're allowed to pursue their passions. And, you know, when you look at the upper school, they have their uh, signature project, the senior exploration project. So that type of wondering is built into a lot. Uh, second grade does a whole wondering project where they are looking at a variety of books and thinking about things that they're curious about. And that really is the best inspiration for students to want to keep on learning and keep asking questions.
As students continue to learn and continue to keep asking questions, how are they able to develop an appreciation for different cultures? Some of it might be built into social studies units throughout the grades, but if you look around our library, our collection is really amazing. I'm pretty proud of it because it really does represent a lot of different cultures, um, diversity in many ways, whether it's race, ethnicity, religion, learning styles, disabilities, so just a range of diversity. So as you look around, children can see themselves in the books as well as be exposed to other cultures. I think it's pretty clear in our discussion today that the information literacy program here at Wilmington Friends provides a lot of value for a lower school child's education. I guess I'd like to know, to sum it all up, what's the one thing you would really like for kids to take away from the information literacy program as they matriculate to middle and upper school? I think the biggest thing, if they walk away from lower school and can read information and put it in their own words, that's key. And that's a super hard skill and something we work with constantly. Um, I had a student... I think it was in third grade last week, and they were doing research, and I just I just read it, and they knew what I was aiming for. He's like, I just couldn't figure out any other way to say it. I'm going to change it. So that fact that they recognize that you cannot, you know, just take words and use them as your own is important. What do you enjoy most about your job? Pretty much everything. <laughs> you know, each day is just entirely different, and but it might sound a little cliche, but... Getting, placing a book in a child's hand that they love is wonderful. We really know the students here and what they like to read. So when something new comes in, I'll be like, oh, this is going to be perfect for this particular student. So that part, I think, is very rewarding to see them excited about a book. I had a, a student the other day who isn't quite the reader, uh, doesn't check out a lot, and I was doing a couple book talks, and they checked out that book, and I was like... This is what it's about. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's an awesome story, and uh, goes to show just how impactful you can be in your role. So that's cool. I appreciate you sharing that. We do um, want to transition here a bit to our Mad Minute segment, um, just to help our audience get to know a little bit more about you and what you're all about. So my first question to you is this: What's your favorite spot on the Wilmington Friends School campus? I guess the library. <laughs> favorite book. That's hard. Uh, I read a lot. All summer long, I read children's books. So I have to say it's almost like the last book I read (laughs) is like my favorite book. I have a lot of favorite authors, but I really could not provide just one book. This might be just as tricky. Favorite author. I I do love Dusty Bowling as an author. We have started the Big Bang of Books here that is an independent reading group for fourth and fifth graders. And then we compete with two other schools and I'd have to say, uh, you know, this club's been running maybe six years. And one of her books has been almost on every year. Wow. Amazingly. She, she just keeps writing and we keep reading her books. So she's, she's a favorite. Jerry Spinelli's a favorite. Jennifer Cheldonko, Peter Brown. You know, we've had many authors visit the school. Yeah. Rita Garcia-Williams. So, yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> Going away from books. Favorite TV show. Oh, boy. Uh, right now, at the moment, I am absolutely loving Ted Lasso. Favorite food? Favorite food. Anything that's in the workroom. 
because <laughs> uh, it's there. Um, I love pizza. I'm not, um, I love a good bagel. Crab cakes, yeah. And to get a sample of the musical taste, what's your favorite song? Favorite song? Don't really know. I do listen to a lot of country lately. You uh, absolutely cannot go wrong with anything country. Um, we are now going to transition to our final segment, our Ring the Bell segment. Same two questions to every podcast guest. The first question is, what do you want your legacy to be? Or another way to sort of reframe this question is, what do you hope students say about you after they have graduated from lower school and are headed to middle and upper school levels? I would hope that they remember the books I recommended or look at me as a person that maybe inspired them to read. Um, a lot of students do come to me and ask for a recommendation because they know I read a lot. So hopefully they'll remember that. Who knows? And the final question, what is your why? I guess I've really found what I enjoy. It might have taken me a while to get here, but I come in every day and it's something that I enjoy. Working with the, the teachers in developing a unit um, or working with the students, just wonderful to be here.